Welcome to Technovation. I'm your host, Peter High. Our broadcast today comes from our most recent MetaStrategy Digital Symposium and features a conversation I had with Vinod Bitterkopa and Susan Doniz. Vinod is the Senior Vice President of Walmart and Chief Technology Officer of Sam's Club, a role he's had for roughly two and a half years. Prior to that, he served as a Chief Information Officer at United Health Group and at Tesco. Susan is the Chief Information Officer and SVP of IT and Data Analytics at Boeing, a role she's also had for roughly two and a half years. She's been a CIO multiple times over, including at Qantas immediately prior to her current role. She served on multiple boards, including that of Bayshore Healthcare in Canada. In this interview, we cover the topic of data and analytics as a source of resilience and growth. Susan explains the role data and analytics play in delivering predictability and stability as part of Boeing's overall strategy, how she trains her team and the skills needed to achieve that, and why data is integral to a company's culture and telling its story. Vinod describes how data and analytics impact the customer's experience at Sam's Club and how he's making Sam's Club into an AI-enabled digital enterprise, as well as how he's democratizing that data across his business. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. But first, a quick word from our sponsor, Cisco, and the company's senior vice president and general manager of global customer experience, Thamaya Subaya. As customer expectations evolve, Thamaya wanted to take a moment to share how companies can stay ahead of these shifting expectations and make informed decisions on the future of work. Thamaya, over to you. Hello, everyone. This is Thamaya Subaya, SVP and GM of Global Customer Experience for Cisco. Businesses have had to make a dramatic shift to align to the rise in customer expectations especially in this new hybrid work landscape. Work is a product of people, technology, and places, and our perception of the future of work is constantly being reshaped. Cisco CX helps you make those informed decisions as customer experience continues to evolve, and hybrid work helps you support that evolution. It's here, and it's here to stay. Just search for Cisco CX to learn more. And now on to our broadcast. And with that important topic, we're gonna bring on two bright lights in this field to talk about data and analytics as a source of resilience and growth. It's certainly a relevant topic, but boy, as I as I poll uh, individuals or in groups, uh, those those items that are of, of greatest importance uh, and and uh, not, not so coincidentally where a paucity of great resources are, data and analytics tends to be at the top of that list in both categories. And certainly something that any technology uh, and digital executive needs to have uh, at or near the top of their strategic priorities. Um, Susan, I'd like to begin with you. I know from our past conversation that Boeing's corporate strategy uh, is about predictability and stability, you've noted. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about the role that uh, data and analytics play in delivering that. Yeah, well, literally, and you know, excuse the pun, but the data fuels everything. Um, you know, oftentimes if you read, there's a lot of uh, data is the new oil. It really is embedded into everything that we do. So our production system relies on it. Um, our people systems rely on it. Our safety systems rely on it. Um, it. It really is embedded in everything that we do. And so when you look at the stability and the predictability, it's really about um, growth as well. So we looked at, for example, the resilience. Um, when we look at resilience, we've been using data and analytics across various sectors to get more predictable in a world that is highly unpredictable. So, you know, the supply chain um, challenges that have challenged all of us across the board, we've looked at um, different tools and analytics that help us understand 
not just our tier one suppliers, but their suppliers and then their suppliers and understanding where there could be risk using these data and analytics tools um, so that we can surface that. And then also we look at replanning and rearranging what products we might go into which uh, aircraft, depending on which supplier might be most at risk. Um, and then there's the other extreme, um, the sustainability. So when you look at data and analytics, we've just launched a new tool called uh, Cascade. And uh, basically what it does is I think of it as a 4D planning tool for, uh, for sustainability. So it takes into consideration everything from how you fly the airplane, so efficiency improvements, uh, safe, so uh, sustainable aviation fuels, airplane fleet renewal. And you can play with all of these variables to say, okay, if you move one of these levers, what does that do? to our sustainability and our impact uh, across the board. Um, we also used uh, data to help fuel how we build the airplane. So uh, the digital twin, and you can even extend that to the metaverse now too, which is combining the physical and the digital together. So we use it in order to, we'll call it fly the airplane a hundred of times or thousands of times before we really fly it and build it thousands of times before we really build it. Because these um, building an airplane is a very fine craft. The level of precision is to the no, beyond the Six Sigma uh, level. So that level of precision, the kind of data that you need, and then the virtualization that you need in order to, um, to fly it, but in order to build it is quite massive. So I, I honestly can't think of one area of our business where where we don't use the data and analytics. Yeah, yeah, great, great, uh, great summation there. But also appreciate the uh, some of those uh, targeted ex examples as to where it's been uh, particularly valuable. Uh, Susan, staying with you for just a moment longer, um, we talked about building of talent. You know, data and analytics as being some of those areas greatest uh, and highest demand. Can you talk a bit about how you've thought about building your data and analytics uh, talent on your team? What are the methods you've used, combinations of training versus finding great talent from, from uh, other companies? Uh, how have you thought about that, please? Yeah, well, it's, it's an and across the board. Um, firstly, obviously we have been offering uh, internal trainings and we partner with an external universities as well. In fact, we have a wonderful program at Boeing, which is basically you can study whatever you want at any university. Um, and we help fund that for anybody in the company, including in IT and data analytics. So we actually look for anybody who's interested in this across the company. And we have both our own courses, but we also allow uh, anybody to take, as I said, any university courses. One of the programs that I'm really excited about is a new kind of internship program, which actually takes people who have had no formal training at all in university, uh, in engineering and other areas and allows them to learn some of the skills. We've actually started first with cyber and then uh, we're gonna be adding data and analytics on it. And we've just had our first recruit come through and I can't tell you how excited I am and the kind of results that we've had because I do believe these skill sets, you know, anybody can learn them. You, you've got to, you know, have the desire to do it, but that's one of the ways that we've also been approaching it so we can have a, a diverse set of talents. That's really great. Thank you for sharing those anecdotes. 
But no bitter copa, I do want to, to, to uh, bring you into the conversation. I mentioned you are the chief technology officer of Sam's Club, a nearly $75 billion division of Walmart. Uh, Sam's Club, different from Walmart, is a membership-based uh, organization. And I wonder, especially in light of some of the variations of that model, how you use data and analytics to impact customer experience, as we just saw uh, one of those areas that our audience is anticipating, many of them anyway, um, uh, putting the data and analytics uh, to, 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 to work. Talk a bit about the way in which you've done so within your organization, please. Sure. Thanks for the question, Peter. So um, as you said, Sam's Club is an integral part of Walmart, and Walmart has three distinct divisions, Walmart US, Sam's Club, and, and Walmart International. So um, in, in, as part of, I mean, you'll see technology to, in today's world drives everything from what I call as from mundane to magical. And the reason uh, for that is uh, business is becoming the platform, the technology platform is becoming the business, is becoming one and the same. And in order to do that, I mean, data is the central um, aspect and the central driver and the underlying theme. So uh, Sam's Club is a warehouse model retailer. And then what that means is really, uh, it's a membership based model. And, and anybody who has to shop with Sam's Club has to be a member of, shop, uh, Sam's, uh, member of Sam's Club. And the other aspect of this model is that we have a very finite skew item uh, model. So by virtue of being a membership-driven model and a finite SKU model, we have the distinct advantage of really getting detailed data about everything that we need to drive this business. Um, so so with the, 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 the data as a fundamental um, ingredient of our business, we use data for almost, I mean, if you, if you peel back the retail processes, it's the planning, the buying, the moving, and the selling. Those are the four core processes of any retail business, and we have embedded data into every aspect of it. Um, whether it is you know, the experimenting with the, with the different business uh, models, whether it's the A-B testing, the design thinking, and the iterative concepts of how we actually advance a different uh, thinking and, and bringing different uh, models to, to bear, data is a central aspect of it. So let me give you a couple of examples. So what we have done, Peter, is uh, you know, when you look at whether it's our omni-commerce side, so we've brought in the fraud and the, the security aspects. So we use data to look at you know, what is our fraud level. So we've used the data to drive our fraud levels down by almost 35% there. With our, with our uh, members, right? So we're lo looking at how can we personalize uh, and drive more convenience for our members. So by personalization, we mean can we add an item into the basket that the member um, would like to add at, at, the, at the point of interaction, whether it's in, in, in the uh, club channel, whether it's the online channel and so on. So by using this data in, in, in whether it's a member interaction channel or in the club channel, um, we're able to drive a higher revenue growth. Mm. Equally on the, on the associate side, we're able to use the data to say, to look at how can we make our associates' lives easier in the club or whether it's in the supply chain? Um, so we're, we're driving a lot of, for example, we, we use, um, we scan about 17 million images every day in the club. And these are computer, we use computer vision uh, to, and use these images to, to look at how can we obviate tasks for our associates and really release the, you know, make, make some of those mundane tasks for our associates uh, to be done by uh, machines and then have the associates work with our members in the club and make their jobs more easier as well as give 
uh, our members a chance to interact with our with our, with our associates. So I think the data and, and, and the aspect of insight and analytics is driving every aspect of our business, whether it is the merchants, the associates, and including our members, it's across the board. Yeah, very interesting. And that, that last anecdote, especially, Vino, brings to mind uh, something you mentioned to me when we recently caught up, that uh, your vision is to make Sam's Club an AI-enabled digital enterprise. That was the, the, the phrase you used. I found that so compelling. And I hear... Uh, echoes of that, an example of that, in fact, and what you've just described. Uh, I wonder if you can, can you share a, a bit more of how you uh, anticipate and even how you have already uh, begun to bring that to life? Absolutely. I mean, I'll just double click on, on a couple of those examples. So in, in the merchandising space, I mean, we have, we have, we have the, the need and uh, one of the things we look at is value to the member. So value to the member means, I mean, how do you drive, you know, better prices and, and make, shopping easier for the member. So we looked at, you know, how our members shop with us, what are the prices for of our, you know, items in different parts of a market, and where can we actually drive more price investment so it becomes more affordable to our members. So price investment is a good good uh, area where AI is enabled. The other example is where markdown what what we call as markdown optimization or exits. So this is where you know, we probably have a little bit of extra inventory. We need to sort of exit them um, from, from our system so that we can bring in newer and fresher inventory. Uh, how do we do this without impacting our you know, bottom line and, and, and the business model? So that's another place where we can drive more AI. A third example is um, we produce a lot, a lot of uh, what I call is a, the, the fresh prepared food in our clubs. You produce too much of it, then there is wastage. You don't produce enough of it, then you don't. You have unhappy members um, in the club. So how do you find that happy balance between producing the exact amount of what you need so that you don't displease your members, but equally you, you're not driving a lot of waste uh, in the system? And all of this is really enabled through data and building the models, the AI models, on top of that, so that we can actually produce what is, um, you know, what is is optimized um, for both for our members as well as for driving waste out. Would be a couple of different examples there. Uh, fraud is another great example. I think um, in today's world, I think we, there are many threat actors, um, you know, who are looking and we drive millions of transactions, whether it is the point of sale or e-commerce transactions, and we have to be always a step ahead of all of these threat actors out there. Um, and the way we do that is we we bring all of this data from our point of sale and e-commerce transaction, the credit card, the debit card, and members, and in real time, really run highly sophisticated um, fraud models to in order uh, to to prevent some of these what I would call as bad threat actors impacting the uh, the shopping experience for our members. Um, and we can't do any of this unless we have rich data, unless we have sophisticated AI models um, that help drive our business day in and day out. Yeah, really interesting examples there. Thank you for those, Vinod. Uh, Susan, going back to you, I, I, I know from a recent conversation uh, that you and I had, uh, one of the things I really enjoyed was an insight you shared that a, a good data analytics player needs to be a good storyteller, that that's uh, in some ways one of the indications as to how talented somebody will be in this space. And I wanted to have you share some, some of your perspectives on that as to why you believe that to be so. Yeah, I mean, going maybe to the sciences, you know, a scientific method always starts with a hypothesis. Um, and so part of the storytelling is also starting with a hypothesis. 
Now, again, with the with the storytelling and the scientific method, the hypothesis means you need to be ready to prove that you're wrong um, on the hypothesis. But in order to get people to, um, because remember, you're doing the data and analytics to take action. Um, and I'm I'm very glad that you know mentioned uh, the user based design and design thinking because if you want people to take action you know, although we all want to say we're completely rational human beings and you just have to show us the data and, you know, we, we get it immediately. Actually, the way we behave is when you have a good story and the data supports the story and you get people behind it, then you get the output and the results that you want. Um, and so that's why the storytelling is actually really important because the, the analytics, you want to predict things so you can move forward with it. And, um, and in order to build up that story, then you need the data points to it. At the end of the day, we're not robots, we're all human beings. Um, and uh, you know, there's nothing like a good story that engages us and gets us to change our behavior, which is really what this is about, the data and the analytics too. Yeah, really interesting. And I, you know, I also wanted to ask you about the cultural element of this, Susan. I think so often as we think about data and analytics, we think about the solutions, we think about the algorithms, of course, but, you know, culture really trumps all of this. Uh, if we don't have a culture that's accepting of this, that, you know, understands the kind of long-term implications, gets over the hurdle in some cases of the, the feeling of a loss of autonomy by combining, say, one unit's data with others in order to make better decisions across the entire organization, to name one of a variety of complexities to manage through this. Uh, then you know your, your your the value you will derive from this will be suboptimized to say the least. I wonder if you could take a moment and talk a bit about some of the cultural elements that you think have led to uh, a successful adoption and use of and ultimately value derived from data analytics at Boeing. Yeah. So my first job ever in IT, straight out of university, was actually data and analytics. It was actually master data. And the problem that we had then is the exact same problem that we still have today, though, which is garbage in, garbage out. Um, so that's that's the first piece is like, you know, we have lots of tools that help us analyze and build the data, et cetera. But it, it is also the veracity of the data that is important here. And so then if you unpick that a little bit, it gets a bit to the culture, which is um, because data is so valuable, and uh, you know, people hoard it. Um, and so when they hoard the data, and, and because there's a lot of implications to sharing the data, you know, that privacy implications, um, government regulations across different countries and what you can do, et cetera, it gets in the too hard box. And when it gets in the too hard box, everybody wants to kind of protect. So it's not just um, the value of it, it's the protection of it which is very important. But then you have to flip on the value of the data is not the data by itself. The value of the data is how you combine it with data. And by the way, how you might combine it with external data. Because if you, if you look at the cascade tool I was talking about, it's not just based on the Boeing system. It's actually based on how the airlines fly. Um, the, the, that's, that's not our data, that's the airlines data. Um, it's also based on um, weather patterns. Again, that comes from an external source. So, so the combining of this is, is really important. Um, and so this, this ability to um, manage the risk 
but also on the flip side, also share is an important cultural component. And so how do you unlock that so people understand the value of combining it is, is, um, is extremely valuable. So how do you manage the downside of the risks in terms of all of the compliance requirements, which by the way, are changing so rapidly, so difficult to keep up with all of these things. Um, and then also, the ability to say, hey, we're better off together than we are uh, separately. Because if there's one thing I know is an ecosystem and a team trumps the individual all the time, and that's the same with data. Yeah. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, appreciate you raising that. And also the allusion to the data sovereignty and other complexities that, that uh, we all need to manage through, especially in large global organizations like your own. Uh, Vinod, I know one of the ways in which you leverage data for um, you know daily, weekly decision making is through NPS. Uh, this is a uh, you know a, a metric that you keep and discuss as a leadership team with great frequency. Uh, NPS will, will certainly uh, that's net promoter score, but I imagine that most uh, who are in attendance have some familiarity with it and perhaps have been users of it. Um, but I wonder if you could talk a little bit about how it has impacted the way in which you think about. Uh, changes to the business or uh, validation of what's working well and so forth. Yeah. So one of the things that we are very proud of at, at Sam's Club is, of course, we are very data-driven, and, and but, but it's not just saying we are data-driven. How do you really bring that to life? So the first thing that happens on a Monday morning is, is as a leadership, executive leadership team, we look at how, what was the business the prior week. And, and the way we deconstruct that is really through understanding what was the NPS for each of the core critical member journeys and you know in some in some cases associate journeys. So once you want to once you know what the NPS for each of those member journeys is, um, you know whether it's in the club or e-commerce or you know whether it's returns or you know digital joins, digital renews, you name it, right? So. By understanding where we are, and when we set a target for each of those journeys, and, and if we uh, see either an uptick or, or, or a downtick, we start double clicking into it. And because there is data behind it, and then, then people are able to answer those questions in a very data-driven way, why did we see a, you know, a downtick in, in an NPS with a certain customer journey? So that makes it a very rich conversation, and it's not somebody's opinion. It's actually, you know, what, why, what happened and why did it happen and how do you need to go fix it? So that's really the basis of, you know, how we run the company. Um, and then the rest of the week, it's really the team kind of trying to figure out, hey, how do you fix this? So when they come back in, in the next week, they really address that at the root. Um, and, 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 and our CEO calls it really grinding it to the powder. How do you really become remarkable at some of these journeys is really trying to focus and zoom in on those NPS and we couldn't do that if we had if we didn't have great data that enables how, um, running our business. So, uh, just as an example, yeah, Vinod. In the last couple of minutes that we have here, I also wanted to ask you about uh, issues of model drift. I have, I have a friend who's the chief digital officer of a Fortune 100 company, and he talks about how the CTO, CDO, CIO needs to be sort of the CHRO, if you will, of algorithms. Uh, firing some, promoting others, uh, suggesting um, you know. Uh, 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 workarounds or, or, or development plans, better put, uh, for, for still others. And, and I know this is something you, you think about a lot as well, is the, how, the, how that evolves over time in order to make sure that, that uh, model drift doesn't become an issue. Talk a bit about, if you wouldn't, uh, in brief, uh, ways in which you've, you've tackled that challenge. 
Yeah, so 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 I think one of the things for us is really becoming this AI-enabled digital enterprise um, and really democratizing AI across everything. It's easier said than done. Um, and as what we saw in the pandemic is really the changing behaviors of our members. And as we implemented a lot of these models um, over a period of time, as the behavior started to change, obviously the data that was coming in was also changing. And the models that are built at a point in time and we have, and because a lot of these are becoming black boxes for us, um, and uh, and we run our business based on the outcomes of these models, they're becoming very dangerous in some sense. So if you don't really monitor and really have those gating systems in place and see how um, you know you you you're monitoring the what I call is the data drift, which causing the model drift, which ultimately impacts the outcome. And if you're making decisions on based of those model outcomes. And, and it's the dashboard for the pilot who's running the in the cockpit, take the analogy of Boeing here. Um, it can become um, very tricky and, and, and sometimes even dangerous. So really monitoring what we have implemented a system is within Sam's Club is to really look at, you know, what is the incoming data? What is the model? And is there model drift? Um, and how are we enabling, making sure that there's no model drift so that we are uh, one conscious and two, be able to give that confidence to the business. Yeah, that's a great, great overview indeed. Well, Susan Doniz, Vinod Bitterkopa, thank you so, both so much for the great conversation that you've uh, you've simulated here, the great insights you've shared about the journeys each of you have been on and the, and the big impact that you've led uh, in your organizations. It's been a great conversation. Thank you again. Thank, thank you. you.